Okay, boys and boys, welcome to Pushing Rubber Podcast. This is Adam Piggott, episode 126. Yes, I know I didn't put one out last week, but honestly, I had nothing to say. I had nothing to say. I really didn't. I uh, I sat down and I, I wrote some notes and uh, I was there and I was like, I got nothing. I got nothing. Nothing at all. I had nothing. Zero. Zilch. Niet. Niente. Um, nix. That's what I had. Um, so I was I, I couldn't I couldn't see the point I couldn't see the point of wasting uh, my time and then obviously by default wasting all of your time. So I didn't uh, I didn't get with the program and put out a podcast. But I am this week because I've got a few things to talk about. Maybe perhaps perchance it could be that something interesting will come over the interweb airwaves to you. From what I'm saying, you're still all tuning in, so that's nice. That's nice. Very nice. Very good. It's a Sunday afternoon here in the Netherlands, and uh, I've um, just had my my Sunday afternoon lunch me time is what it is basically. So here's what I do on Sundays. Obviously, at about 3.42 in the afternoon, I record a podcast, because that's what I'm doing now. But uh, on Sunday, I'll, Sundays, I'll get up at around 7, because uh, during the week, I get up at 5, so a sleep-in for me is 7. Being catatonically dead would be sleeping until 9pm. Um, so I'll get up at 7, and I'll, I'll, I'll see what's going on in the world. And then I'll, uh, I'll have a shower and get dressed. Make myself a good pile, big pile of bacon and eggs, uh, fried tomatoes, and uh, uh, toasted bread in bacon fat. And then I'll cycle off on my bike as long as the Dutch weather's not deplorable. Because the Dutch cycle in the rain, and I'm not talking drizzle, I'm talking like rain, but I, I try not to do that because I think it's just beyond ridiculous. And I'll go to church, a Catholic church, um, which I've been doing now for a few months after 35 years of not going at all, and uh, which is nice. It's not. It's actually something I look forward to now, during the week, is to go to church on a Sunday. It's in Dutch, and my Dutch is about 20%. It's about 80% of where it needs to be, but it's still good. It's still good. It's uh, it's a nice ritual. I like the Catholic Church. Obviously, the present Pope is a Satanist and, you know, should be flayed alive. And I'm not even under-exaggerating just a little bit. Um, and I understand people whose, you know, parents were like Southern Baptists or some horrendous entity of uh, Christianity. But the Catholic Church is good. If you get a good Catholic Church, it helps that I don't understand 80% of what they're saying. I mean, for all I know... For all I know, they could be going on about how women are the most important creatures on the earth and we should bow down before them and, you know, scrape along and things and chivalry is everything. But I don't get that because it's in fucking Dutch. So I don't know. And I stand up and I kneel down and I sit down and I stand up and I bow my head and I cross myself and I go up and I get the wafer and I say amen. And it's nice. And there's some hot blonde girls in there too. 
Just saying. Um, and it's a nice little parish. It's not, and I like I like the priests. They're cool, you know. They're humble. They're just doing their thing. They've got a photo of the current Pope up, but I get the feeling they'd like to turn it around and face the wall. That's that's the feeling I get. So I do that on Sunday. That finishes around eleven fifteen. Then I, and I dress nicely for it. I dress nicely. I do. I dress nicely because it's um, well, it's God, isn't it? And because one of the traits of the, you know, of the of the modern man is to you know buy the best clothes you can afford, and I can afford nice clothes, so I have nice clothes, um, and I'm still wearing them now on a Sunday afternoon. I have uh, here's what I all right, here's what I have on. From the bottom up, I've got my R M Williams boots, black, lovely. Lower half of one of my Paul Smith suits, navy blue. Um, I got some of that sensational Swiss underwear on, which is like not wearing any underwear at all, and it costs an absolute fortune. It's like fifty euros for one pair of underwear. But if you haven't had this stuff, then you don't know what you're missing. Um, I've got a really nice uh, white shirt on from Pal, uh, an Amsterdam brand. Uh, a blue, um, electric blue sweater from Boggi Milano. And then I've got a um, a handmade Scottish tailored uh, grey checked jacket. I didn't wear the grey jack the grey checked jacket to church though, this morning. I wore my uh, I wore my nineteenth um, century style English uh, sea captain's coat because uh, it was fucking cold. Um, and that's what I'm wearing this afternoon. Because I, I put an article up a few minutes ago. It was just an off-the-cuff kind of, you know, just like, you know, something's going to come out. Um, but it's basically like, if you dress well for other people, that's nice. But if you, dress, if you don't dress well for yourself, what's the point? The best ideas that I get are when I'm dressed well. If I'm lounging around in tracksuit pants and slippers and some crappy old fucking jumper... I'm not going to have good ideas, but if I'm dressed, if I'm dressed well, if I'm dressed to impress, and what I'm trying to impress is my own ideas, then, I, then, then, then the, the ideas tend to come out. That's how it happens. I remember, uh, and I think I posted from memory on one of my traits of the twenty-eight traits of the modern man. I posted a photo of Jack Nicholson in his late twenties at home, listening to records to albums. And he's dressed better than, than, than the vast majority of men who go out today to go to work are dressed. We really lost something. It was one of the things, of course, that the, the boomer fucks when they, you know, in their 60s, when they did their big rebellion, their sexual revolution, dressing and clothing and formal attire went out the window. And you see photos of like uh, Australia in the in the mid '60s, and some the people are going to the, the horse races or going out to a theatre, and everyone looks amazing. Everyone looks dapper. Everyone looks fancy. And then then not even ten years later, and everyone looks like a pile of fucking shit. And that's just a tragedy. That's just a tragedy. That's just laziness. Uh, that's, that's, that's horrendous laziness. 
the uh, the television program How I Met Your Mother, apart from the first couple of series, was just a horrible, 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 horrible piece of shit of uh, blue pilledom. Whereas the first two series were totally red pilled. I've never looked into it, but I reckon that the first two series were written by some guys and then they got sacked and then some other fucking females wrote the rest of it. But uh, the character of Varney, who incidentally is played by a faggot, um, his thing of always wearing a suit, I can't fault that. I can't fault that at all. I can't fault that at all. It pains me that in my current job, I can't wear a suit. I have to wear, you know, because I have to get my hands dirty. I have to wear other clothes that are not a suit. That's okay. The things we suffer for. The things we suffer for. I haven't forgotten where this is going. Unlike some people who do podcasting, when I get a train of thought going, I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll return to that train of thought without losing it. Just saying, just saying. So, uh, went to church, came home, cooked myself a lovely roast chicken lunch, baked potatoes, carrots, onions, and garlic. Absolutely sensational. Out on the back deck, overlooking. Uh, the canal, pond, lake, with the uh, windmill in the background, like right next to me, dating from 1755, which instantly was before Australia was even settled by civilization. Um, put my meal out there, nice bottle of red. Then I had some lovely 20-year-old almanac and some great rum afterwards. Smoked a pipe, read a book, out on the deck, Sun was shining. It was only about seven or eight degrees, but I was dressed correctly for the weather. So it was pleasurable. When I say seven or eight degrees, I mean Celsius, not this stupid Fahrenheit crap that you sepos go on about all the time. Listen, water freezes at zero and boils at 100. That's a real measuring system, not the fucking rubbish that you lot came up with. Anyway. I mean, you have a revolution, you have a raggedy-tag army that fights the British for seven years, you actually win, but then you have to change your numbers? Why? Why? Oh, I suppose you didn't change your numbers. You kept your numbers. Meh. Anyway. Maybe you didn't win after all. Just saying. Um, and so I was out there smoking my pipe, having a lovely time, dressed well. Uh, and it was just a... A really good Sunday, and that's my real me time. That's my real, that pipe moment, because a pipe lasts a good hour and a half, if you pack it right. A good hour and a half is what a pipe will last you. And uh, with the lovely spirits that went with it, the good book that I was reading, um, out on the deck there, in the sun, the the beleaguered late November sun, of course, um, it really, really was a lovely moment. And that's how I uh, that's how I recharge my batteries. That's how I get. I keep my I keep my phone. Fo- and look, after that, I've come in, wrote an article, bang, and now I'm recording a podcast. Zinger. Uh, did I do that last weekend? Yes, but uh, there might have been a girl here, so we didn't do the podcast. So I'm just saying. Anyway, um, the point of this all is is that. As a man, you need inspiration. And I want to call out Kim Do To It um, or um, Splendid Isolation because he um, 
he wrote an article. Uh, let's have a look. Where is it? He's actually got a whole bunch of photos of naked women up here on, with musical instruments and, and breasts out. I, I, I'm, and there's one with a piano that looks like she's taking a dump. Um, anyway, he wrote an article yesterday about the Maserati 4200 GT from the early 2000s. Um, and he put a few photos up of it in coupe and spider configurations, and I'm literally reading from his blog. And I'll, and it's got a 4.2 liter V8 Ferrari engine, which gives 385 horsepower, a skyhook suspension system. I have no idea what that is. Uh, and a proper four seater in the coupe, but not in the con- not in the um, uh, convertible. Um, and it's a gloriously Gloriously good-looking car. Um, and he linked to a Maserati forum post of a guy using it for his daily driver, like a Maserati 4200 as his daily driver. There you go. Um, my first car was an Alfa Romeo 145 in the Italian Alps, which, which if, 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 I, if I had ever had the chance to be interviewed as a, you know, a star in a reasonably priced car on Top Gear... Would have put me in good stead with Jeremy Clarkson, um, because as as the Top Gear boys back in the day said, you know, you weren't a real driver unless you'd owned an Alfa Romeo, uh, and uh, and I did. It was my first ever car in my uh, early thirties, because before that I'd only owned motorbikes, and it was a fucking bitch. It was beautiful to drive, especially on mountain roads. The five-speed manual transmission. You could dump it into second going into outer corners and fish fishtail that little back end out of there. It was just glorious. But fuck that car mechanically was an absolute bitch. And that's what my Italian mechanic called it. He called it La Troia, which means the fucking little bitch. Um, then when I went back to Australia, uh, we needed a car quickly and I got some Kia Rio piece of shit. Something that Aaron Clary would be, you know, be proud to own. Uh, but I got rid of that as fast as I could and picked myself up a Toyota Orion, which is kind of like midway between, uh, or on the way to the Lexus sort of thing, but I didn't have the money for it back then. But it was the closest I could get. It was a V6 engine, 3.8, and a beautiful engine. Drove that car across Australia, and it's just absolutely glorious car. Once again, never put a foot wrong. That car never put a foot wrong. What do you mean once again? That was the first car I had that never put a foot wrong. The Kia Rio put a foot wrong, I can tell you that. Um, But that Toyota Orient, sensational. Uh, Then me and the ex-wife moved to Italy and we picked up an Audi 2015, um, which was a work car, so we didn't have to pay for it. A4 uh, diesel, I think it was a two liter or 2.2 or something. Um, aggressive car, uh, never had a problem with it. Fucking hell, what a car to drive. Um, slow though, from a standing start, because it's a diesel, slow, slow from a standing start. Um, but then once it got up there, you know, it was all right. But it was, it was a bit of a fucker at lights to be, you know, burnt off so you didn't get up, get in, away the car next to you. Yes, I'm a competitive bastard. Um, and then I picked up the current car, which is the Mercedes C-Class 180. Um, which has, uh, I think, 157 brake horsepower uh, and goes like a fucking barrel of snot. 
Um, it's a 2012 version. I picked it up with only 60,000 kilometers on it, and it has been flawless. I mean, absolutely flawless. I've had it serviced once uh, on time. The car's just dynamite. The only thing I've ever had to do to it was literally yesterday, uh, one of the headlamp, headlamps blew, so I had to go get that changed. And it cost me 38 euro, and they washed the car, so, I mean, whatever. I mean, pretty happy with that. But it's a, it's a, it's a four-cylinder. It's a 1.8, and, you know, I'm a car guy. I like cars. Always have. Uh, even when I was riding motorbikes, I loved cars. Um, I used to borrow my friend's HJ back in Australia a lot. Um, panel van, also known as a fuck truck. Um, and so anyway, Kim puts up this thing of the Maserati 4200. And don't forget, you know, I'm, I'm remembering my Alfa Romeo and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the headaches that I have with it. So I thought, oh, fuck it. So I, I go on the, the, you know, the Dutch main car site, and there's one of these cars, 2003, with 89,000 kilometers on it, electric blue. Uh, they want 24,000 euros for it, which means you can put up, put it, pick it up for 19 or 20, which means it'd be, probably be a straight swap for the car I currently have. It's fucking sensational. It's fucking sensational. 390 horsepower uh, V8 4.2 liter engine, and it's immaculate. Um, but it would have to be my daily driver. Now, I know what you're thinking. I mean, I, I, I would be able to pick this car up and there's no debt. I can just take the car. I can do the car. There's no there's no heavenly fiddling with the banks and saying, oh, can I borrow some money or some of that? Because you never want to borrow money for cars, ever. Aaron Clary is completely, completely correct. There's only one thing worse than borrowing money for cars, and that's leasing a car. Leasing a car has to be the most stupid financial decision you can ever do apart from marrying a woman. Apart from, and if you marry a woman and you lease a car, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. you, you you're, really, you're really barking up the wrong tree here. Um, so I'm always, a, I'm always a cash man for cars. I always have been. All of my cars are paid for cash. Done. Finished. It's my car. I can lose my job, but you can't take my car off me. And that's, and that's one of the important things. I mean, when the economy goes south, what happens is, is that people lose their job. And then because of that, they can't pay, pay, continue to pay their car, which means they lose their car, which means they can't get their next job because they don't have a car. So they can't get to work. So the car is kind of critical in that regime. So you should never go and hock for a car. You should always, your car should be up front and center. It's yours. That's it. Free and clear. Whether it's five grand, 50 grand or 500 grand, doesn't matter. Your car, it has to be, it has to be free and clear. Now, the thing with cars is, is that someone like Aaron Clary views a car as transport. And that's fine, up to a point. Actually, it's not fine at all. Chicks view cars as transport. Look, a car's not transport. A car is, we're here for a finite number of years. A finite number of years. Yeah? 
Aaron Cleary wouldn't smoke a cheap cigar. I know that for a fact because when I met up with him in the Great One in Homer, Louisiana, the first night Aaron bought cigars for everyone. They were not cheap cigars. They were good cigars. Aaron doesn't drink cheap spirits. He doesn't. He doesn't at all. Um, but Aaron drives cheap cars. And I don't get that because a cigar only lasts a moment, but a car, car lasts a lot longer. And I like to enjoy driving down the road. I'm not looking for people to look at me, okay? I'm, that's not it. Because in all honesty, girls don't look at cars, guys look at cars. If you buy a really, really nice car, when you park it or when you go up and you put fuel in it, the only people walking up to you to talk about your car in a gas station will be blokes. That's it. Girls won't be doing that. Not in a million years. They won't. I can guarantee you this. It's the same with motorbikes. I had my Ducati Panther 500 in Australia, which is one of the sexiest bikes you'll ever see, with the full Mike Harewood fairing. I mean, just... Gorgeous. A gorgeous, 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 gorgeous car. And lots of guys came up to speak to me about that motor. Sorry, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous bike. Did I say a gorgeous car? Lots of guys came up to me to talk to me about that bike. But no girls ever did. No girls ever did. Girls aren't interested in this stuff. That's because girls aren't interesting. You're not buying the car to get girls. You're buying the car because when you sit down into it and you slip into that leather seat and you run your hands over that beautiful steering wheel and you fire up that 4.2 litre V8 Ferrari engine, you're just thinking to yourself, yeah, baby, yeah, yeah, I'm a guy. And this is it. This is what I do. And does it make any sense financially? No. Of course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. Am I going to buy this Maserati? Yeah, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. I'm going to look at it tomorrow. I'm going to go have a look at it tomorrow. And I'm going to take it for a drive. Which is normally the worst thing you can do in these circumstances. And I know what you're all thinking now. Oh my God, don't buy the Maserati. Well, whatever. It's just a car. It's just a car, but a beautiful car. A really, really beautiful car. And uh, cars inspire me. That's what they do. They inspire me. And um, they make me feel better. So, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not borrowing money for it. You just don't borrow money for cars. You don't borrow money for anything apart from a house. That's it. That's it. Um, I'll let you, uh, or I'll keep you all informed about the uh, the old uh, the old Maserati 4200 GT Cambia Corsa, which I'm thinking, a coupe, which I'm thinking of buying. Um, it was the first car produced after Maserati, after Ferrari acquired Maserati, so it's actually got a Ferrari engine in it. 
Anyway, I know what Aaron Clare is thinking right now. He's thinking, oh my God, you're fucking insane. As far as I know, Aaron Clare drives a Prius. And even if that's not true, he should. As far as what the great, great one drives, I've got no idea if he even has his driving license. So that tells you all you need to know right there. That's all. Um, things that are happening this week. So um, Prince Andrew did a disastrous interview about his friendship with um, Epstein, the man who didn't kill himself. And a couple of weeks later, uh, the Queen, the 93-year-old monarch, gee, she's been around for a while, hasn't she? The 93-year-old monarch has uh, basically disowned him, and, and he's her favourite son, which isn't hard when you see flappy-eared Prince Charles. Uh, which means his quarter of a million uh, pound yearly stipend is off the books now, which means uh, he's probably going to be in a bucket of shit because I doubt whether he's got a penny to his name. So... What did I find interesting about this and why am I mentioning it? The Queen apparently made her decision with a conference call with Prince Charles, his son, who's in New Zealand at the moment, and Prince William, his son, who's next in line at the throne after Charles. Uh, So Prince William was basically deciding the fate of his uncle, uh, which makes sense in the whole, you know, monarchical dynasty sort of thing that we're talking about here. But then it got me to thinking. It got me to thinking about Prince Harry and his mulatto bride. Prince Harry, of course, who's uh, taken some time out from the royals and gone off with his mulatto bride back to the US to hang out with who knows what. I get the feeling that this uh, dealing with uh, Prince Andrew and the way it was done was not just to deal with Prince Andrew, but also to send a a message to Prince Harry to say, look, mate, um, you ain't got hardly any skills. You've married an idiot. uh, And look what we've just done to your uncle. And um, by the way, you're not next in line after your brother. His sons are. So uh, you're looking pretty shit. So uh, just consider this to be a bit of a message. I reckon that's why William went probably went in pretty hard on this one. Um, Why is this of any note? I just find it interesting. I just find it interesting. I also find it interesting in the sense that... um, this, of course, wouldn't be coming to light the way it is if it wasn't for the internet and mass media and all the rest of it. Um, the whole way that the uh, decision process has been made. There's so much leaking that goes on these days. It's like, you know, these places are like... Like the Titanic. After it's ripped open its side or something like that. Um, I, find it, I find it interesting, though. That uh, that has happened the way it has, and I think it's a real message to Harry. We will see. We will see over the next couple of months how Harry comports himself with his mulatto bride, uh, and whether or not um, 
it has an effect on his behavior at all. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't have an effect at all. Maybe Harry will just, you know, be the dumb fuck that he's been for most of his life. Okay. Um, other news. Other news. I think one of the reasons that I've got back, gone back to Catholicism, to my roots, my Catholic roots, is because how persecuted Catholics are these days. Um, it's always cooler to join a club that everyone else is dumping on than a club that everyone else wants to be a part of. Everyone wants to be a part of the woke club. They want to have their uh, inflated uh, uh, opinions and viewpoints that sets them apart from the hoi polloi of the world. Um, I, of course, am the opposite of that. I'm Mr. Contrarian Man. So for the past 35 years, I've kind of given the church the flick. And now I've gone back just when the church is copping it in the rear end. Um, there's a new Australian law that's recently been passed under a conservative government which requires priests to break the confessional seal um, and I found this uh, kind of uh, interesting and then I read uh, a piece on Cadillacy files and let me read what uh, quickly what they what uh, the guy here wrote politicians and their advisers know that these laws are nonsense and that priests will ignore them anyway, as they should. Who would inform police that such a confession had been made? You guessed it, only the confessor. In this case, let's say the child molester. Is that likely? No, but if he did... Why would he tell them he formally confessed his crimes to a priest? There could only be one reason, because he'd been arrested, charged with a crime, let's say child molestation, and was trying to plea bargain using a psychology angle. In other words, the only possible witness against a priest in any trial would be a criminal, in this case a child molester. And so in Australia today, that's good enough. Um... Uh, these new laws haven't been passed to protect children. Their sole purpose is to incite hatred of Catholics. Um, I thought that that was bang on the money. Bang on the money. There's a real war going on against Christianity, in particular Catholicism. Um, which tells me to think... I mean, you only go to war against something that's a threat. And a threat is something that's true. I mean, they're not going to war against Scientologists, are they? You know what I'm saying? They're not going to war against those kooky fucks. But the woke sure are going to war against Christians, and in particular Catholics, which tells me that they're a threat, which means if you're a threat, 
what you're saying is inherently true uh, and of worth. And that's the principal reason why I've gone back to the church. Really, that's the principal reason. If all of my enemies are against it, well, maybe that's something that I should be a part of. And I like the Catholic Church because there's no guitars. Honestly, a guitar in a church singing a song immediately inspires me to perform the scene from Animal House with John Belushi smashing that fuckwit's guitar to pieces on the stairs and handing back the broken neck with the dangly cords to him without a word. Guitars belong in church like pedophiles do. Catholic churches don't do guitars, they do organs. Um, like something that, uh, you know, a vampire hunter would be pleased to hear. And I can get with that. I can get with that a lot. I really like the sound of those organs blasting away. It fills me with piousness, because I'm such a pious guy. The guy who's considering to go out and buy a Maserati tomorrow. I won't buy it tomorrow. I'll go and have a drive of it tomorrow, then I'll think about it for a week. And if someone else buys it, so be it. I always love when you're going out and you think, oh, I'll think about it. Oh, well, someone will come and buy it. All right. No. Okay. Someone else will come and buy it. It's not like you've got a monopoly on cars. I like watching that porn stars show. Because it comes on at 6.30 at night here when I just have got home from work and I want to sit down and turn my brain off. I like the guys because they're obviously right-wing nationalists. Uh, but I particularly like watching people come in and hocking off cherished possessions. Like a guy's grandfather's watch that he stuck up his ass after being captured on Normandy Beach by the Germans or something. Oh, I found this watch and uh, Grandma said, you know, it was thing and here it is and here's all his medals and here's his uniform and, uh, and I'll just sell it. I want, I want $5,000. We'll give you, uh, we'll give you $150. Oh, $1,000. We'll give you $150. Uh, uh, $500. We'll give you $150. Uh, $200. All right, we'll give you $200. Oh, okay, awesome. Uh, I love watching that. I love watching that shit. I love watching that shit because you're looking at at people who have... I don't even know what to say about them. I would ne never sell a single thing that my ancestors owned and which had been passed down to me. Even if it hadn't been passed down to me and I'd got it by default, I still wouldn't sell it. I wouldn't sell it if, it was, if I was on the bones of my ass. And believe you me, before you start jumping to fucking conclusions, I have been on the bones of my ass. Anyone who've read, who's read my first book knows about that. I like watching these people hock irreplaceable family mementos for peanuts. Because it's, it's, it's tragedy in the flesh. It's real life tragedy. 
and it inspires me to hold hold fast hold to my principles that sort of shit's important man i mean let me let me let me reach over here to the windowsill i've got a couple of pewter mugs here let me go as one as two let me get my glasses i'm gonna need my glasses So I am 48 years old, and I've got glasses now. All right, let's have a look at the first pewter mug. This is a bit bigger. Um, happy 21st birthday. Keep dreaming. Love from Natalie and John. And it's got my name on it, Adam. Uh, Natalie was a childhood friend I went to high school with. And she married John. She hooked up with him when she, when she was nineteen. Natalie was the girl that we all wanted to, um, that we all wanted to be with, and uh, none of us ever did. And uh, John was a drummer in my main band. The band's name was Blow. Uh, and Natalie had a, and John had their first child. Um, and as a result of the birth. They discovered that she had cancer of the uh, cervix, I think it was, or something horrific. Um, and she died. She died back in 2005, 2006, leaving a um, very, very young son and a bereft husband. There's no good end to that story. But they gave me this mug on my 21st birthday. And 27 years later, I have it with me here in Holland. Here's the second one. It's a bit smaller. It's got a bit more staining on it. Um, it's got my name, Adam. It's got Christmas 1971. And that's all it has. But it's from my grandparents on my father's side. They also bought me a bottle of 1971 port. I didn't drink it. Somewhere along the way, that got, that got lost, and I'm very unhappy about that. Those mementos are important. I also have my grandmother, the same grandmother, I have her coffee cups or her teacups. I have some other things as well. I watch these people come in on porn stars and, and hock this stuff. And I despair for them. I despair that they could do that. But it then, it also reminds me to hold fast. Hold fast and 
the face of everything that's going on around you. So I had a nice Sunday afternoon, a Sunday afternoon of recharging. I've got the leftover of the chicken and the vegetables there. I'll hook that up tomorrow, tonight and then uh, I'll make a stock out of the chicken carcass, which will, uh, I'll make a nice stew with and a soup tomorrow. I'm going to take tomorrow off work, I think. I've got a lot of holidays owing to me. And uh, a three-day weekend here and there does wonders. It really does. But it's been a pleasure talking to you this afternoon. It's been nice. I'll let you know about the Maserati. Let me know what you think. All of you tell me that I'm a fucking idiot. I'll put a photo of the car up on the blog with a post for this. And tell me what you think. And I'll put the photo, the photo will be of the car from the rear. Because I tell you what, this Maserati has one of the best back ends I've ever seen. And I'm a big fan of back ends. Like a lot of cars get the front end right, but very, 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 very few get the back end right. And this one's back end. Pretty nice. Shout outs, Captain Capitalism. I've already uh, spoken about him, of course. Aaron Clary, you can check out his blog at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Buy his books through my affiliate on my um, website, of course. Um, listen to his podcasts, listen to his ranting and ravings. Apparently, his next book's coming out just as fast as my next book which is pretty fucking slow. Um, you can get my first two books, Pushing Rubber Down Hill, a, uh, which has been selling well lately. Uh, I saw a bunch of copies the other day. I think it was in double figures in one day. That was pretty good. Uh, a Journey to Manhood via Whitewater Adventures uh, and Run Guts Pull Cones, a rafting adventure in the Italian Alps. You can get those books wherever you want. You can find them. You can go to your local bookstore and order them and they'll fucking get them for you. Ring me up. I might even sign it for you. Who knows? Haven't been too many of those done. Hey, uh, thanks for hanging out with the old uh, ads. Hope you guys have a lovely week. Um, Last week of November. And then rocking into December, the end of the year. Don't you guys go changing. Till next week. Ciao.